Well, good morning. Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of the Ag Market Network. I'm Pat McClatchy. I'm the moderator. Today, uh, we decided to have a special program on crop insurance. Uh, this shows, you know, it's really focused on Texas, but we think this information will be interested to people outside of Texas. Uh, I think it will be informative to, the, to, to everyone. Our special guest speaker today is Kathy Fowler uh, of the Fowler Agency in Memphis, Texas. Uh, I'd first like to have a word uh, or say a word about our sponsors. Our, our sponsors today, our Texas sponsors, are Plains Cotton Growers and also Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. Our national sponsors are FiberMax and Stoneville and also Cotton Incorporated. Now, those two national sponsors uh, have been supporters of ours from the beginning. Uh, they make this program and programs like this possible for you, and we are very appreciative of them. The format for today uh, is we will uh, have Kathy speak for 25 to 30 minutes, and then we'll open it up for questions. So I'll be unmuting the lines if anybody does have a question. Uh, Kathy, uh, thanks for joining us today and giving us the latest information on crop insurance. Uh, well, Pat, um, once again, thank you for asking me to uh, be on your program this morning. My name is Kathy Fowler from um, Memphis, Texas. My background is um, I was a crop adjuster in 86 and 87. I started the agency in 1988. So um, I have 34 years of experience or the school of hard knocks, whatever you might want to call it. But let's just talk a little bit about what we need to do today prior to March 15th, our sales closing date for our spring crops, cotton, corn, anything in the upper Texas panhandle area or mid-Texas is all March 15th. So I, I know there's been um, a, a lot of talk about um, how low the crop prices are for the coverage for 2020. There's been a lot of talk. I, I read an article this morning about um, is there any way that we can raise those prices. You know, um, I, I see that sort of an uphill battle at this point. But, you know, we have to be careful what we ask for. And the second thing is there are some other ways that we can get additional coverage. So that's really what I want to talk about. Um, the cotton price set for the area here at $0.68. Cents. So that's lower than 18 or 19, down about 7% from last year. If you look back at 18, that's 11%. But that also allows us some freedom to do some other things. So the thing I want to talk about first is what are the components of your coverage and premium? So the first thing that's going to make up that piece would be the price. We've talked about that. So typically my glass is half full. So at $0.68, cents, my premium is going to be a little less. So that's going to allow me some... Um, room to maybe use some yield options. So first thing that makes up your coverage and premium is going to be the price. Number two is the volatility factor. The volatility factor uh, the very last day went up 1% Texas and Oklahoma, but we're tracking in the same place we've always been, 14 15% volatility factor. That percentage makes a difference on your premium. Number three, the rates. 
Um, I've seen um, a little downward trend in the rates the last couple of years just because we've had some good crops, so that's pulled down the rates. So the fourth thing that we're going to talk about is your yield. And that's something that you as a producer and insured, you've got some options. And, you know, I commend the riders of the 2014 Farm Bill. They provided numerous options on our yield, our coverage level. We have a lot of flexibility. So I encourage each producer to get out there and, and use the options that we know we have today. So when you start looking at your yield, what are my options? Well, when the Farm Bill provided a lot of these options in 14, they seem somewhat expensive. But if we're looking at the price down and the rates down, that gives us some room to come in here and, and look at these options. So I think you need to revisit those for sure. That would be yield adjustment, which covers up a low yield with 60% of the county T yield. Those T yields are up the past few years. Yield exclusion, which is an option that you can exclude any yield um, where the county average was less than 50%. So there's a chart on RMA. You can look at those yield exclusions. Typically in our area, we can exclude um, 11, 12, and 18. So there's some opportunity to get a better yield there. Yield cup so that your yield doesn't fall more than 10%. Trend adjustment, which is a yield, and it, what it does, it, it lifts your yield in your database. And those numbers are set by RMA. There's a chart for that also. Now, all of these options, yes, they do change the premium. But since that we're looking at a lower price selection and the rates have gone down, I encourage you to use these options right here and build your yield up. That would give you more coverage. So there's more than one way to, to get to the bottom line to reduce your, your risk exposure or if you're needing to take your crop coverage to your lender. You know, these are ways that we can get the dollar coverage higher. Now, I, I, I just think everyone should buy revenue coverage for sure. So if you have revenue coverage, there is a harvest price option at harvest time. So now what if the price goes up from $0.68 cents to $0.75 cents or $0.77? Cents? You know, fairly optimistic here, but if you look at that at harvest time and you're in a loss situation, you're going to get paid at that higher price based off of the premium generated at $0.68. Cents. So, you know, there is some light at the end of the tunnel on that piece for sure. Now, if you're thinking that the harvest price is going to be a little higher at the end, you're not going to take, there's not going to be an advantage to that price on crop insurance unless you have a loss, a production loss. So, therefore, once again, it's extremely important that you look at your yield. Go back and look at what your yield was last year. If you have a 10-year database, you're going to be rolling off 2009. So was that a good year for you or not? And what did you put in for 2019? So take a look and see where your yield has moved 
and then use these um, yield options out there to ramp that yield back up to give you some additional coverage. Now, whenever you do that, and each year is totally different, so I'm looking for dollar coverage for my exposure, maybe I want to look at enterprise units. I'm not an enterprise unit fan every year for everyone. It, it fits some folks better than it does others. But that's another way that you can keep the cost down. You can go enterprise by irrigated practice, enterprise by dry land practice. I use all of these yield options. I throw everything at it that I can. Then I've got the best coverage I can get. And in the fall, if I don't have a good crop and the price goes up, I can take advantage of, of that market move, and I have, a lot of, I have a lot of coverage. Downside to that is, once again, enterprise units, all of your, all of your planted acres go together. So you might, you might lose one farm, might blow out, get hailed out. But once again, there is a premium savings and if you're looking at the price going up in the fall, you're going to need as much protection as you can get. I think another thing that you're going to need to really dig into is that you need to, take, you need to look at your FSA programs. You need to look there and see, do you have, we're talking predominantly cotton this morning, so do I have seed cotton base? Do I have very much seed cotton base? You know, maybe I only have 10 acres of seed cotton base, and I'm going to plant 300 acres of cotton this year. So maybe I don't want to enroll in PLC or ARC on that farm, and I want to go back and look at stacks. Stacks is still available for cotton if you're not enrolled in seed cotton program. Um, on your farm sterile number, if you have peanuts, wheat, you can enroll those crops in a program. And then if you have a small seed cotton base, you may want to opt out and take Stacks. Now Stacks still has 80% subsidy, which is excellent. And the yields for Stacks are much better than they were when that program first came in. So I, I think you should take a look at that. Now, if you're looking at stacks, stacks goes by farm serial number. So on your acreage report, you could have several farms that you enroll in PLC or ARC, no stacks. And then stacks would be on the farm serial numbers where you opted out. So you can have um, stacks by irrigated practice or stacks by dry land practice. There's a lot of options, and I think each one of you should really sit down and take a close look and study at what you have to see what fits you best. SCO is an option for cotton supplemental coverage option. Um, it only has 60% subsidy. That's an option if you want some additional coverage because you do enroll in PLC. So you can have PLC seed cotton at FSA. 
and then you can move to SEO coverage on your crop insurance. And that would go on top, and that would be a county-based program. So those are some additional options. Um, if you're looking at cotton, I think nearly all of us take the seed endorsement on your regular crop insurance policy. I think that's um, definitely important. And then once again on your coverage levels, you can have coverage by practice, so you can have a different coverage level for your irrigated cotton. You can have a different level for your dryland cotton, and then you can do different unit practices by practice. So there's a lot of pieces out there, but don't get overwhelmed with all of the options. Get your crop agent to sit down and start working through what is most important for you this year. A lot of that's going to depend on your yields, for sure. And then what exposure do you have? So you may want to go um, and use some uh, pro uh, products that are not USDA subsidized, such as crop hail. You may want to lower coverage on your irrigated and stack crop hail. And then ramp up your dry land coverage and use an enterprise practice with a high level of coverage at 75 or 80. I just think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of flexibility and there's more than one way to overcome the fact that the prices are low allows us to use these other options that maybe weren't feasible two or three years ago. So don't have the mindset, it just last time I looked it cost too much because the, the conditions of what we're working on today are, are, are a lot different. These yield exclusion factors, trend yield factors, um, your agent will have all of these. These charts are available um, all on RMA out there and can be very beneficial to running your numbers for your coverage. Another way that you might want to take a look at with your crop insurance program. I think when you go to sit down, I think you need to look at your entire program the entire year. So let's just take a look at what my crop insurance coverage is. What is my cost? Do I want to buy crop hail? You need to figure that in today. Or do I want to go to the market, the futures market, to address some prices? So all different pieces here. I think you need to look at a total plan this time of year for sure. Looking through my notes here to see if there was um, any other, th oh, there is something else here, uh, the subsidy factors. Um, you need to know where those breaks are because sometimes you can move to a different level that has some additional subsidy if you would like to take out and exclude um, all three years or four years each database is going to be a little bit different depending on if you've had some rotation pieces out there. But I would entertain um, some questions if you have some or if you'd like to okay. go into more detail as far as unit structure, enterprise units, um, how that might work. 
Okay. Well, uh, we will unmute the phones in just a minute, but uh, we do have a, a group, our usual group of people on the line. Uh, if you guys have any questions of Kathy, please go ahead and, and uh, ask those. I've got one. Kathy, I have heard sort of a rule of thumb that taking the cottonseed endorsement adds a certain number of – it translates to a higher base price for lint. Does that – have you seen, you know, like on the order of eight, nine, ten cents more? I suppose it's going to vary, you know, by farm and by yield and 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 what have you. But is that something that uh, that you have um, heard before or seen presented or crunched yourself? Um, yes, actually, and thank you for bringing that up. Uh, the cottonseed price this year is eight and a half cents. It was eight last year, so it's eight and a half cents. Now, what we do is that you take your lint coverage, your, your lint yield, and you convert that to cottonseed yield. And those conversion factors are a little different between Texas and Oklahoma, but the conversion factor for Oklahoma is 1.234. So I would just take my lint yield coverage, and maybe it's just 400 pounds on dry land cotton. I'm going to convert that that becomes 494 pounds of seed at 8.5 cents. So that's a $42 bump in coverage. And cottonseed is not an expensive option at all. And I, we, we automatically put cottonseed on every cotton policy we have in here. And that goes, that's a blanket coverage that goes for dry land and irrigated straight across the board. Okay, and anybody else in our group or outside that are listening, we've unmuted the phones. Feel free to ask a question of Kathy. Kathy, Gerald Nieper here. Um, that seed endorsement, the payment there, that doesn't impact the, what is that, the, 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 the seed cotton program payment? No, that does not. The seed cotton program okay. at FSA is totally separate from taking the seed endorsement on um, crop insurance. Okay. Now, um, in order to collect on the seed endorsement, then you would need to have a production loss in order to collect on um, the seed endorsement. It, it, it doesn't move like revenue coverage does. It, it stays static at eight and a half cents. Okay. And can you explain um, this volatility factor, the 14 to 15% that you talked about very early on your coverage premium? The volatility factor um, on RMA, there is a calculation at how they arrive at that factor. I've never really sat through there and, and looked through how they actually come at that point. But really, in essence, it's looking at the volatility of the market. So I'm locked in at $0.68. Cents. So the volatility factor went up 1% at the very end of the trading range. So I'm assuming they think as the price falls, there's some volatility to the fact that the price can move up significantly or make a move. But there are true calculations um, in the policy and procedures listed at RMA. 
but but that Thank factor you. moves with the futures market during the trading range, which we look at December cotton 2020 traded through the month of February. We take the close every day, and then it's a true simple average to arrive at 68 cents for the cotton coverage in this area. You know, there are January 31st in South Texas, further south there's 215, but we're March, we're March 15th here. Okay, thank you. Basic, basically, the choppier the futures market, the higher the volatility, the more expensive insurance premiums are. Yeah, it sounds sounded like it's very similar to how they're looking at implied volatility for options, yeah, for example. For yes. options. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. It's it's just hard because your initial thought is, I'm golly, 68 cents, I, I'm not going to have enough coverage. But honestly, um, okay, that's going to help. I mean, that's where my premium is going to be set. But there's a lot of other ways to get additional coverage. And once again, if the price at harvest time moves up, you get to take advantage of that price with your premium being set at $0.68. But I'm going to use this extra room I have here to buy my yield up to have more coverage. And the yield and your guarantee is what's going to drive um, an indemnity payment at the end. Uh, something I'm curious, uh, curious about is, um, you know, the SEO's been around, I guess, since the 14 Farm Bill, but now SEO in combination with PLC, as you had mentioned, is sort of a, a new available thing. Have you, in the, just in the last year, I guess, have you seen much business of people uh, adopting you know, this would be where where they have seed cotton base so around you and in the direction of lubbock have have people begun to buy seo policies i'm just curious um a little not so much john but i i think that that's why that i've encouraged producers to look at that you know um 18 is the first time we've had any um program money for cotton, which is now seed cotton. And so we have that piece. We're looking at PLC prices out there. I mean, it currently for 19, it's tracking at 5.6 cents. So once again, when we're struggling for additional coverage, we look at SCO. Now, Stacks by far is, is going to be my choice simply because of the 80% subsidy. The stacks price can be ramped up 1.2, so we can buy that up a little bit, whereas SCO is um, 65% subsidy, and that's going to attach to your yield at $0.68. Cents. Right. So, you know, it's not as attractive as stacks, but... Maybe if we're going 75% enterprise, stack up the best yield I can get, then I'm only looking at about 11% SCO. I'll throw that on top. It gives me a little bit more if I need something, and I'll let PLC be my price support. Yeah. Well, I think but, it's particularly relevant for, you know, I've been at some meetings, and you have too, in the upper panhandle and probably the same in Oklahoma and in Kansas where you ask how many people in here have seed cotton base, and, you know, one person raises their hand out of 
out of 80 so there's there's a lot of folks to where the you know the stacks thing is, is potentially relevant um it, it is john for sure and the the stacks yields are much better than they were when this program was when it originally came out so i think there's some comfort in the fact that those yields are much higher than what they where we started with and then the fact that we need to try to get as much coverage as we can. I mean, ultimately, a guy could have um, a cotton acreage report with SEO stacks and then some farm numbers with nothing. You, you could actually address all three of those depending on what you're, where you're at at FSA. Right, right. Kathy, I have a question. You briefly mentioned um, about health insurance um, in addition to the multiparel. Do you suggest possibly a lower multiparel and more health, or how do you approach that? Well, um, I think it's – are you talking about irrigated cotton? Are you talking about dryland cotton? Yes, I'm talking mostly irrigated. Okay, on irrigated cotton, you know, um, you, you need to always have enough multiparel coverage on your irrigated cotton to walk away. So if I'm optional units and I get hailed out, I and it's after my final plant date, I need to have enough multiparel coverage to walk away because typically in West Texas, um, our hail coverage we don't really get full 100% hail coverage till June 20th. So if you're in that first stage early, you need to have enough multiparel underneath you that you can walk away. Um, the other thing is you still need to have enough multiparel underneath you for irrigated cotton. If you come in and look at an early freeze, and we have a lot of low grades, the quality adjustment piece for cotton which was changed by the National Cotton Council. They had a lot to do with that change that was made two or three, about three years ago. The quality adjustment for cotton is very good. It could easily be 40 or $50 bail if you're already in a loss situation. So those things are really important. So you need to have enough underneath you, and then you can stack some crop hail on top. Okay. Any other questions from our listeners? <clears throat> Kathy, I, I, this is. Oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, uh, this, this is Brad Heffington. We we farm kind of west of Lubbock, and we've had some not so great years over the last few years. But there's a lot <laughs> of producers in our area that uh, I mean, unfortunately, are, we're kind of down to county tea yields, and the, the, will these yield exclusions help very much hey, in those situations where it's you know we kind of looked at it before and it really oh it might help a little here and there but uh i i don't know now more maybe we can drop some worse years off it seems like we've had some bad years the last couple of years but west of the interstate it's been a little rough you know the last few years and it has uh, brad i did not look up your county's um that direction i am looking at yield exclusion uh for dryland cotton in lubbock county i do have that one and you can exclude yields in 11, 12, 13, 14, 17, and 18. So I'm assuming your county um, 
out there is probably going to mirror that fairly close. But you start excluding that many years, and it does get fairly expensive. So if you have yeah, a pretty consistent we database, <laughs> yes, yes. If you have a fairly consistent database, you may want to loop, move down one level of coverage. Or for this year, you might want to look at enterprise and go as high up as you can go. Yeah, and the problem with enterprise, you know, it never, you know, if you've just got a few units of one practice, that's kind of feasible. But you know, out here it hills up to the turn row and doesn't hell next door, and you know, <laughs> then you end up having three farms you lost it on, and you know, yeah. your, your other farms end up averaging enough for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that that this is exactly what you said earlier. That fits some situations, but generally that kind of gets people in trouble if they you know, have a, some spotty losses and then no coverage on the acres they lost. And uh, it makes the optional unit premium worth the difference, you know. But uh, It does because uh, optional units is going to give you some immediate cash flow, whereas enterprise, you've got to be able to wait till the very end. Right, and, and that's, the, another, that's a good point, too. But, yes, that makes uh, a difference. There's one, now what, there's one other ahead. thing we're having a little confusion on out here that... Uh, and it's something John asked, but, but the FSA is not real sure if, because I've got a, a couple of farms like you were talking about that didn't, they had a lot of corn base, but like 10 acres of cotton base, or, or we bought some land that was in CRP and it has no cotton base, but has some grain base. When we enroll in the program, they say right now there's not a way to just not enroll in cotton and keep your grain in TLC. Because they, they're saying under the farm bill that, you know, if there's no this, or selection made, it automatically defaults to PLC. So we're trying to get clarification on that because, you know, there's a lot of people might have a farm or two that doesn't have seed cotton base that they want to buy stacks on. But right now they're telling us we really can't do that if we enroll the grain in the PLC. Have you heard that or okay, have people um, asked that? Okay, let's, let's make sure there are two processes at FSA, you're going to elect a program, and then you're going to enroll in the program. Okay? So the first, the first project here is election. I'm going to elect PLC or ARC, and then I'm going to enroll. So you make your election, and when you make that election, that will be good for 2019 and 2020. Yes. Now I'm going to enroll in 2019 because that's already passed. I'm going to get that done. Then for 2020, I may not enroll my seed cotton. But how do you okay. do that and still enroll your your grain base? Well, you do. You would enroll. You would go ahead and enroll your grain base crops, but you don't enroll for seed cotton in 2020. See, they're telling me that you can't do that, that, that it automatically defaults to PLC if you don't, that you can't, they say you can't separate the, the crops on the farm. Hmm. You might want to make I mean, sure, now, it, there is a default to PLC. Um, if you don't, if you do nothing, you're right. not in anything yeah. in 2019 and you default to PLC for 2020. But go back and you might revisit that um, 
Um, yeah, Kristen, I know Brad. I asked them to ask the state office, and they're trying to get clarification on that. Okay. There's, there's some counties doing like what you said, and there's some counties doing like, like what I explained. And that, that's where the confusion is on that. And that's not a huge issue, but it is if you think you're going to buy stacks. Yes, and this time around, um, it's just not one blanket fits all. But, Brad, I'll wow. go back and take a look at that because I elected for 19 and 20, enrolled in 19, and my 20, uh, my 20 enrollment was a separate piece because I updated a yield. So that was wow. a separate enrollment. Um, but if not, let's try to get clarification on that because it is my understanding um, that you can um, – Dr. Bart Fisher and Outlaw, both of their presentations do show that you can enroll in PLC, say, for peanuts and something else, ARC for corn or whatever you've got, and then right. stay out for seed cotton. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I was talking about at our FSA office, and, and they're, they're saying they're telling them they can't do that, but they're trying to get clarification. Okay. I just Bradley? thought maybe you might have come across that already and need answers. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that um, the enrollment for 2020 in a, on a farm in Oklahoma that I have was a separate piece uh, because I updated the yield on that farm, and then I come back and enrolled it in 2020. Yeah. So that was, but that's a little bit deal because I updated a the yield there. Um, yeah. Brad, let's go back to your question a while ago about enterprise units, and and yeah. your area doesn't, you're not comfortable with that election. Depending on your database and where you're going to plant cotton, the best thing to do is take a look at your yield, write down where you're going to plant your cotton. Then, if you can exclude a number of years and it's consistent across your database, you might want to roll down in coverage so that you can take um, advantage of the additional subsidies. 65 and 70 are the same subsidy, but if you roll down to 60, then you get 5% more subsidy, and that might be enough to offset that cost or help with yield exclusion. And so, you know, you might want to only, maybe that allows you to take out three rather than five or something of, of right. that nature. Right. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It doesn't always work because your databases need to be fairly consistent or have some higher yields so, um, to move all the way across. But we've actually pulled some coverage down to 50% before and then use the yield exclusion on optional units. To get more coverage? To get more coverage, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, and honestly, it's going to depend on your database and exactly where you're going to plant. You know, you may have 20 units in your database, and you're only going to plant on 10, so start looking at the ones you're going to plant on. In your case, it's probably all of them, but uh, once again, those are some ways to manage the cost. Well, we just need to make a crop. <laughs> we need a crop and a good price. That's pretty easy, that's, isn't it? That's, that's what we need. But, but the, the problem is, you know, with this, exactly, it's good you're doing this call because 
therefore, there's a lot of pressure on producers to try to get their crop insurance coverage better to get their operating loans completed, you know, because that's such a big component of it anymore. It is a big component, and that's why I've gone back and looked at stacks. Um, I've looked at SCO. Um, and, and SCO in some areas is not bad. You know, it no. it's, doesn't give you as much coverage as stacks in these counties. But then, you know, um, maybe that's what you need out there in order to get enough coverage. Well, yeah. That's why everybody's been taking stacks, you know, to try to get that extra band covered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Okay. Any, do we have any other questions? All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up our meeting for today. We want to thank uh, Kathy. Pat, thanks. Just for, a moment yes. here. Let's ask Brad again. Brad, do you use trend adjustment at all? Uh, yeah, we we look at all of them. It's just when you get down to where, and not you know, I've got some entities and not everyone's the same way but there's out here where people have especially on the dry land where they've got a lot of dry land and then it's failed several times you know just because you know the drought the early part of the decade was terrible and then hail and then no rains at plant time it's just been a really unusual decade here and so when the yields are so low, a lot of that just it still doesn't get it above the key yield, you know. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, you know, and I know RMAs come out here and audited people because, you know, it's kind of crazy to me, but, you know, after 11 and 12, they came out because there was a huge number of claims, and they're like, well, yeah, we had the drought of records. Don't you think there would be more claims that year, you know? So uh, then they started looking, and they go, oh, okay, but, it, you know, it, it causes scrutiny on those programs when producers were just using their crop insurance because that's all they had, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then they start looking and go, oh yeah, it has been, you know, some bad weather. So, but then it puts producers, you know, behind the eight ball trying to do all that stuff for audits and things. But you know, it's it's not real hard. It's just time consuming. But then they <clears throat> kind of go. But it was just, you know, but they were, they listened and they, you know, they came through and they didn't find a lot of stuff. You know, they that, that was the basis for that monitoring program because the losses went up so much. But, you know, it looks like to me they could have figured that was out from the drought. But uh, now things have kind of got back normal. Maybe we can get, all, get some yields built back up. That's true. That's true. I, I think when you, as a producer, when you go into a lender, you need to maybe go ahead and do an Excel spreadsheet on, uh, what your PLC payment looks like for 2019, and and even take a look at where you might be in 2020. I didn't even talk about updating your yields for 2020, but everything that I've looked at from crop insurance databases, that would be another opportunity that we could um, update our yields for 2020, which would be um, a better uh, price support on the PLC program using your crop insurance yields um, going yeah. that direction. Um, yeah, because so, a lot of the FSA yields aren't really that good, and then, you know, they're factored down so much, those payments are different. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of these lenders that, I mean, it's not a criticism, they're just younger, and they weren't around during the 2002 farm bill when a lot of producers' income came from countercyclical payments and things like that. So they're, 
they're slowly kind of learning to, you know, put that in your cash flows when they hadn't had to do that for quite a while. So, or they've never done it, you know, because mm-hmm. they weren't around when that was done. And it's I know Plains Cotton Yards has done a really good job of talking to a lot of the lenders and explain the programs and some programs, you know, that to, to help them understand that. But it, but unfortunately, it's been slow to adopt that in some institutions. But. Uh, true. We try to try to educate everyone. And um, the SACs and SCO, John, you'd ask about the SCO, but those yields, um, those programs all use crop insurance data, not da- NAS data. So I think that's important today. Um, NAS da- data is a lot of survey data, whereas crop insurance, SCO, and SACs are going to use crop insurance data within the county. So I, I think those are some improvements also. Yeah, there's been a lot of improvements, like you said, in the, the 14 Farm Bill for the crop insurance. That's helped a lot. All right, Kathy, for those people that might be interested in contacting you, what can you give us your contact information? Um, yes, uh, my email address is all lowercase Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, at proudtofarm.com, P-R-O-U-D-T-O, farm.com um, and my um, phone number is area code 806-259-2626. Okay. Uh, our website is proudtofarm.com. A, a lot of those charts I was talking about are on our website. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Um, Thanks for a very informative program today. We appreciate that. We are recording this, and we will uh, have this up on our website, the Ag Market Network website. So you can look, uh, if you'd like to move back and go back over some of this again, you can. Uh, We want to acknowledge our sponsors again, Plains Cotton Growers. I mean, this program today really came about as a result of a conversation with Steve Verrett, so we're very appreciative of that. Uh, Also, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. Uh, and then Fibermax and Stoneville as our national sponsor, along with national sponsor Cotton Incorporated. Uh, that concludes our meeting for today, uh, and we appreciate you uh, joining us. Thank you.